season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. the JKR podcast. My name is Jay Shrigling and I'm the host. We've got another great weekend here on the podcast. Got two great guests, some great content here. Um, we're winding up to episode number 100 as we got 98 and 99 this weekend. Today we've got Ryan Garrity, 2023 Wichita State commit. Tomorrow we've got Coleman Mizell, 2023 Alabama baseball commit. Both are great ball players. Um, Ryan, he's a fireball pitcher from the state of Illinois. I have a great conversation here today. I hope you guys enjoy it as well. Um, today we discuss his pitching repertoire. We talk about his TikTok following as he has a lot of TikTok followers. Um, posts on there quite a bit. Um, has a little bit of fun with that. Talk about his PDP experience and all the different guys he got to meet. Um, so that's pretty cool to dig into. Talk about his advisor selection process as well and just much more. Um, so let's dig into the episode and I hope you guys enjoy it. And welcome back to the JKR podcast. Today we have one of the top prospects in Illinois for the 2023 class. We got Wichita State baseball commit Ryan Garrity on the show. Ryan, super pumped to get you on the show, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Awesome, man. Great to hear. So one question, like I said, one question I always like to ask everybody as soon as they come on the podcast is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Ryan Garrity? Um... Ryan Garrity, Ryan the pitcher, Wichita State commit, student athlete. Uh, yeah, pretty much it. Super close to my family. Uh, yeah, that's all okay. I got. Really. Awesome. So you are from, it says Menda, Mendelin, Illinois? Mundelein. How, how, how do I Illinois. pronounce that? Mendelin, Illinois. Mendelin. Okay, so how far is that from Chicago? It's like 45 minutes away, north. Okay. Okay, so are you close? Have you played up against TJ Skyler and Ryan Hussey and all those guys? Oh yeah, uh, TJ okay. Skyler. I, I face him every year in uh, in high school ball because he's a few towns over. So uh, I play him all the time. Okay, so before we really get started, are you a White Sox or you a Cubs guy? I'm a White Sox guy Ooh, all day. Man. I was hoping for I was hoping for Cubs, man. <laughs> I'm I'm a big I'm a big Cubs guy. Uh, grew up about two hours away from Wrigley, so I always made it up to Wrigley a couple times a year. But you know. Guaranteed rate, USL or whatever you like to call it. I mean, still a good ballpark. White Sox are a good team, got a good future. So, yeah. Um, let's, so, like you said, you're committed to Wichita State for that class of 2023. So, let's dig into your recruiting process a little bit. So, when exactly did that recruiting process start for you? When exactly did you start getting noticed by those D1 teams? Uh, I started getting noticed way later, um, to be honest. I was on a kind of a smaller team. Uh, and like the, the tournaments we were in were, wasn't getting like that much exposure. So I was pretty much doing it all on my own. So it really started like sophomore year summer. I started getting like a lot of interest. Like I threw 90 for the first time, like, like a verified 90 at a tournament. And then like, you know, I got, you know, a few texts like here and there or not texts Cause, or I was like, or I was reaching out to them and they were like responding. Yeah. Like they weren't able to reach out. And then, uh, um, I went to Future Games, uh, PBR, and then after that, like that was like 
where it really just took off. Like I was getting a lot of interest. Um, I threw like 91 there or something. And um, yeah, I got like a bunch of interest there. And then Wichita, like at this time, they were actually able to reach out to me like legally. Um, and Wichita reached out. Uh, I called him a bunch of times and then obviously ended up going there. Okay. So you said at the beginning you were kind of doing it all on your own. So does that mean you were like taking – you are having videos done, sending it out to coaches? What exactly were you doing on your own? Yeah, like just going to showcases, just taking film me, uh, pitching and everything. I was actually trying to get recruited as a hitter too and then until I realized I, you know, I didn't want to do that anymore. Uh, so I was just firing videos out left and right to all these colleges. It was just me and my dad and uh, like firing videos out all the time, uh, seeing what responses we would get um yeah basically that's it okay so when you did hit that verified 90 for the first time and the team started actually like you had to start reaching out to teams who were some of those teams that were reaching out to you um cincinnati like the school in california called pacific uh where they both gave me offers uh and then miami university uh they were like pretty interested boston college reached out like Notre Dame. Uh, really, I didn't have that many offers, to be honest, uh, when I went to Wichita State. It just felt like just a great fit. So I just, like, decided to commit, like, before I really uh, was able to, like, get many more offers. Yeah. So when you were talking – when you sorry, go ahead. Oh, that was that's all I had. Okay. So when you were talking to some of those teams, obviously you mentioned some pretty good baseball programs there. What were some of those initial conversations like with those coaches? Like, what were they asking you? What were you guys talking about? Um, can you just speak um, through those a little bit? Yeah, basically they're just selling me, uh, telling me like what they had to offer like for me, and like uh, they asked me how my recruiting process was going, like who else was interested in stuff. They want to see their competitors, I guess. And then like uh, they're just walking me down through like their pitching stuff and like what they wanted me to do at their program, if like they wanted me to hit or pitch or whatever. Because a few schools want like were interested in hitting, but. Like obviously schools like Miami, like they're 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 gonna want me just as a pitcher because they're not gonna like you know goof around with that. Yeah. So uh, yeah, basically just like sell me first phone call at least, and then like like they kind of just want to see where your head's at, like with the whole recruiting process. If you're interested in them and everything, and uh, obviously I'm I'm super interested in anybody who wants to talk to me. So I I said yes to basically everybody. So yeah. Yeah. So who was it? Who was it? Obviously, coaches, the way the, the way the way I've kind of experienced the recruiting process from talking to a couple of guys is teams will reach out to like a travel ball coach, high school coach, and then your coach will tell you to text these guys. So yeah. who kind of was that for you? For me, um, it was mostly my uh, my summer coach, my summer coach um, for like the small team. They were actually reaching out to him. And then he would just tell me, like, text him, obviously. And then it's kind of annoying, like, the, like we have to go through somebody else. But during, like, they can't, like, reach out to you, the whole, that whole thing. Yeah. I'm tough but about the recruiting process. But, I mean, he did a good job with it. He just let me know, and I just reached out. Yeah. So when it did come time to commit to Wichita State, at that point in the recruiting process, how many teams had actually offered you? And what were some of those other teams that were kind of – close in competition to Wichita State for you? Um, the school in California, Pacific, like, they gave me, like, a very good amount of money, and, like, I was actually very interested in them. Uh, 
Um, so that was one of them. Cincinnati had given me an offer. And then Miami University, like, they were supposed to come see me uh, in Florida, like, literally the week after I committed. And they had seen me a few times. And I had, like, a two-hour-long Zoom call with them, like, the week prior to me committing. Like, I think they were about to offer, but I had not gotten the offer yet. And then uh, um, there was, like, a couple more. I, I don't think I had that, that many offers, like, when I actually committed. It, it just felt kind of like a perfect fit to me. Okay. So when, when you did, when you did commit to Wichita state, like how often, how, how far in advance did you know, okay, I do think I'm going to go to Wichita state, but I'm going to wait out a little bit. And actually, before I actually tell them I'm committing before I kind of announce it to the public. Um, I got the offer like through a phone call. They basically told me like what, what they think I was going to get. And that was like probably a week before I was, I was like, I probably want to go visit them, like actually see what the campus is all like. And they wouldn't let me commit until I got out there to see the campus. So I was like, okay, so we're going to go out there. And uh, so like a week after I actually got the offer, uh, I saw the whole campus and everything. I basically just fell in love when I saw the field. Like, I mean, that thing's just monstrous. It's like a top 10 field in the country, in my opinion. So, yeah. So when you say monstrous, does that mean it's like a big outfield depth for a good for a pitcher, or is it just big overall with a lot a lot of space for fans? Uh, it's like a lot of space for fans, and like it's just you walk up and like it kind of comes out of nowhere, and it's just like a huge, uh, it's like just a huge stadium, and you're like, what the heck? Like for a for a college team, it was it was like huge. Yeah. So besides showing you the baseball field, the baseball field, the other baseball facilities. What did they show you on that visit? And what were some other things that really stuck out to you? Um, they, they showed me around the, the entire thing. Uh, the baseball field, like, really, like, I was like, holy crap. Like, that's that's ginormous. And then I kind of just like the feel of the campus is pretty spread out. It was just like, like a, it was like a pretty campus, I guess. So and I just thought it was cool. It seemed like it was easy to get to everything. And then, like, the baseball facilities alone, like, all one area. And I was like, um, it's like one line around the field, which was super cool. And like, we only had to share it with softball. So I was like interested in that. And uh, yeah, that was pretty much it. Okay. So throughout that process, were you able to visit any other schools or Wichita State, the only school you actually did visit? Uh, I had a virtual like tour with Miami, Cincinnati, I, I toured. And I visited Xavier. Like Xavier was like my very first visit. Um, um, I think that's pretty much it. Maybe a few other ones just here and there, but like, okay. yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay. So you did, so you did kind of go through that recruiting process kind of as that whole COVID thing was going down. Yeah. Um, so what were some of those, like, how did a virtual visit or virtual tour, how did, how does that all go down? Like how, what exactly are they showing you? How are they, how are they showing you the things? What, what exactly, how? What exactly goes on in a virtual tour? So basically they had me on the Zoom meeting. It was me, my dad, and uh, like five members of the coaching staff. And then they played like a video of the entire campus. And like while the video was playing, uh, um, the pitching coach was just explaining like everything that was going on while the video was playing. Okay. So, I mean, obviously, I mean, that's kind of what every school had to go through at that point just because of the whole – because of COVID. But if you – if let's say if Wichita State had to do that for you, you obviously wouldn't have gotten that same feeling, right? Probably not. I mean, it, it was obviously a tough situation. 
um at that time like while i was uh get while i was doing the visit for miami it was like a period where nobody was allowed to go visit places because of covid or whatever so that, like obviously they're, they they fought through it and like tried to show me a, a good time anyway but yeah, yeah like yeah. It's pretty tough for them uh i think maybe like if i got actually on the campus like maybe it would have been a different story but to be honest i saw wichita i kind of just everything the coaches had to say like the the, the feel that they gave me you know it just felt perfect to me so yeah so since you've committed to wichita state how is your relationship with the coaching staff how has that evolved because obviously you had to go to have a good relationship already with them to commit there but how's it evolved since you've committed uh since i've committed i mean we've gone to lunch together he's come to a bunch of my games uh or the pitching coach has, um, I talk to him all the time, basically. Like, uh, it's, it's, it's evolved like greatly actually, uh, okay. like friends now, I guess you could say, um, basically weekly. I just call him on the phone. We catch up a little bit. Uh, the recruiting coordinator texts me. I, I mostly talk to the pitching guy, but the recruiting coordinator texts me also. And, uh, yeah, we just, we kind of just chop it up every week. Yeah. So who, so who are some other guys who are committed in your class to Wichita State or even guys who are committed in the class of 2022, so incoming freshmen and in the class? Have you dealt with any of those guys yet? Yeah. Um, there's a kid in Illinois uh, named Braden Bakes. Um, we usually face him in the playoffs every year for our high school. He's he's going there as well. And then my roommate, like my going-to-be roommate, uh, his name is Luke Agnew. I've been I've played with him a few times. He's a really good dude. And then the class above, a kid named Austin Henry. He's an absolute stud. Um, he actually got Tommy John, so he was expecting to get drafted, and he got Tommy John, so he's gonna end up going there, which is you know obviously cool for me because I get to play with him. <laughs> but uh, obviously that sucks, but it's cool because I get to yeah. play. Yeah, yeah. And then uh. Uh, then there's Ashton Izzy, who un- unfortunately just got drafted. I mean, that's awesome for him. Um, and then in my class again, there's uh, kid named uh, Tyner Tyner Horn, and he's really good too. That's that's pretty much all I remember off the top of my head. There's a few 2024s. I haven't like familiarized myself with them yet, but uh, I'm definitely gonna reach out to more dudes. Yeah. So you said you faced one of your one of your future teammates actually in play in playoff ball in high school. So what's that like when you're facing a future teammate? Like, is it kind of a little bit more competitive? Or are you kind of going at him a little bit? How how exactly do you go about that? Oh, yeah. I, you definitely don't want to get shown up by, like, you know, your future teammates. So you're definitely trying to, like, sequence a little bit harder. You're definitely focused a little bit more. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I like – you don't want to, you don't want, you definitely don't want your future teammate to like get a bomb off. You definitely don't want to give them any reason to like, you know, trash talking on campus. So yeah, yeah for sure. More focused. Yeah. Um, but let's, let's move a little bit into travel ball. So you said you did play for a smaller organization for a while, but it, I did from looking up, it does say you play for artillery now. So when exactly did you get that switch and how did you con- get connected with artillery? So the, I really haven't played that much with artillery because I'm just flying around all these like uh, showcases and stuff this summer. But uh, originally I was on, it was last summer, the summer before this summer, uh, so um, sophomore year, summer. And uh, I was like on the, um, it's called Illinois Lightning, the team I was on. I was on their team. And then basically he just, I was getting a bunch of DMs from different teams. Um, basically like 
every team because I threw like 91 at a few games that were wherever. And he reached out and was like, yo, I want you to fly out to this tournament like right now. Like I'll pay for the flight. Like if you fly out right now. And I was like, what the heck? <laughs> I think I was like kind of interested just because like yeah. how aggressive they were, I guess. I didn't end up going, um, even though he like offered to pay or whatever. But I was like, okay, like maybe I'll stay in touch with this guy. So he ended up um he ended up texting me about like the fall schedule. So I ended up playing a bunch of fall tournaments with them, like like three fall tournaments with them. And then they had a tournament in January and he was like, come out to that. And then at this point, like I was on the summer roster like for that next year. So I played a tournament in January with them, um, pitched like five innings in a game. And then this, I've only, this summer I've only pitched one inning for them. Uh, Cause I flew out to WWBA and then like the schedule and stuff, I could only stay for two days. And then like a game got canceled. So they had to move it to the next day. And he was like, okay, you can just close out this game. So I was like, okay. So I ended up only throwing one inning at WWBA for them so this summer i've only thrown one inning for them okay so i mean for that i mean that artillery team that's pretty that artillery team is pretty loaded so with you just playing there just for a couple of tournaments and just the overall great organization artillery is with you just being insider and seeing kind of what they've done these past the, the tournaments that you played for them like what what do you think's led to the success that they've had overall as an organization basically just the ability to pick up like any pitcher at any time like if if we if we didn't have pitching uh, our main guy, AJ would just like throw a text out to like 10 dudes and like three of them would show up. Like he kind of just had a pull because we're obviously like a higher ranked team and like a lot of people want to play for us. So like a bunch of guys would just like fly out all the time if he didn't have pitching and he'd just throw them on the roster. Yeah. So with this, with this year being kind of your first summer with artillery, was this your first WWBA or did your Illinois lightning team, did they go there as well? No, it was my first WWBA actually. Yeah. Okay, so overall, with your, this your first this this being your first time at the WWBA, and you're kind of older. Like, what what was this whole experience for you? Because obviously, it's a lot thrown at you at one time. I mean, there's 400 some teams in Atlanta at that time. So, kind of, what was your first WWBA like? Even though you pitched only that one inning, uh, it was pretty interesting. I mean, you you, you know, you think WWBA, and you think it's going to be at like that main complex, but in reality, like it really it's not it's like at like a hundred different high school fields and like you get a hotel like next to the next to the place you think you're gonna play at and then it ended up being you know 55 minutes away you know down the road some like random place in georgia you know which was like that's kind of that's kind of tough but i mean I have to, obviously they have to do that because there's you know 400 some teams in it yeah and it's more interesting like who you're gonna play like i you know there's since there's so many teams i haven't heard like of anybody you're trying to like study the roster before you pitch and stuff and i'm just like who's good who's not what do i have to worry about and stuff like that yeah it's it's funny you say that because this was actually my i actually was there that that week you guys were there for that 17 17 uwwba and it was my first time as well because like i said i'm trying to be an agent so i'm kind of trying to get to some of these events and just start like networking and starting to build relationships with people and I was expecting this whole WWBA to be played at the East Cobb Complex. I was like, you know what? I'm going to stay at a place close by. I'll get to go see all the top players in the nation, which obviously I got to see a lot of top players when I was there. But I did not expect different teams that I wanted to watch to be playing, like you said, 55 an hour away from um, just the East Cobb Complex. So it was a pretty crazy experience for me yeah. as well, just kind of seeing that whole thing. But it is you, kind of 
But you, you did say you've been traveling out this summer, going to a lot of showcases. So when you are traveling, are you traveling by yourself? Are your parents coming with you? Um, how exactly are you traveling? Uh, kind of depends. So I went to PDP League, and uh, they basically offered to pay for, like, the whole thing. Like, that's kind of just what they do. It's through MLB and USA Baseball. So I went alone because, like, they offered to pay for the whole thing and stuff. So we did not want any, like, extra expenses. And then uh, – PG National, I flew down with my dad. Uh, he came with me. And then uh, WWBA, that was my mom. We, we went together. And then um, that's pretty much, like, all the events I've been in, actually. I haven't been in that, that many, uh, just, like, once a week. So, yeah. So that PDP, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big, big-time event. Obviously, a big showcase. You're meeting a lot of different people. So what overall, what was that PDP experience like for you? What was what was the average day looking like? What did you get the experience? Just what was your favorite um, part of the whole experience overall? I mean, my favorite part is definitely just like meeting like every just every single high rank kid was there. I mean, there's probably, I mean, every first round draft pick this coming you know year. I mean, they're probably all there. So I got to meet everybody, which is super awesome. And then uh, basically the schedule is just like. You wake up at 6 a.m., eat breakfast, and then you're at the field for, like, five hours. And then, like, you know, pitchers, like, it's kind of tough for, to just do, P, like, just do PFPs for five hours. So we were kind of just talking about routine and stuff. And it's all pro coaches. So, you know, I got a lot of good knowledge there. So basically, you're just asking questions to a bunch of pro guys, like, the whole time. And you're just outside. It's great weather and everything. Um, and then you finally get to, like, the gameplay, like, five hours later. And you just play, it's just like an eight or, I forgot how many innings. It's either, I think it's eight inning games and kids are just going two innings at a time. And then you would come back three days later and you you would pitch again. Okay. So when you're, when you're around all those pro coaches, what type of questions are you asking them? How are you picking their brain? Obviously, just because they're so experienced in this industry. So what exact, what type of questions are you asking those type of guys? I mean, Basically, any question that came to my head, like, possible. Like, I'm trying to get as much knowledge as possible because, obviously, that's my goal, too, you know, to, to play in the league. So, I mean, just routine. Like, what would you do on game day? What would you do the day after? Like, what kind of pain did you have, like, the day after you pitched, the, the day after the day after you pitched? Like, what was your experience? Like, how is it, like, what's the difference between going inside versus outside? Should I develop another pitch? Should I – you know, based on how I sleep, like, is that going to affect my pitching and like everything like that? And they had so much knowledge. I mean, they were answered. Uh, they were able to answer basically all my questions to the best of their ability, which is awesome. Like, I mean, super uh, huge shout out to them. So overall, throughout the event, how many times did you actually get to pitch um, in front of all those coaches and scouts? Uh, I got to pitch twice, two innings each, so four innings total. Okay, so you said you had three days rest in between. So in between those three days. Kind of what were you just going to the ballpark, just throwing a couple bullpens? What exactly were those three days of rest like for you? For me, uh, basically just massage gun, roll out every day, do my recovery. I'm not big into bands or plows or anything like that. Just basically the day after I throw, I usually run. So I get my running done. And they, they gave us like a super large amount of time to get everything done. Kids are throwing bullpens and stuff. I usually don't, especially three days rest, I, I, I wouldn't throw a bullpen. Or I didn't. Um, so basically just my recovery for the next three days, make sure I'm all good. Uh, and then, yeah, that's pretty much it. 
Yeah. So when did you find out you're going to be playing in the PDP? I know for guys like obviously Max Clark, Jenkins, some of those guys who are going to be those top 10 picks next year, they were, they were kind of notified in January, February, but when did those next kind of invites go out and how exactly did you find out you were going to be playing in the PDP this summer? Um, it was about a month before I, uh, before the date actually was, um, like set. So I think I, they told me that they threw out 25 invites at a time. And, uh, I think I was in that third group. So like the, the 51 to 75 guys, I guess. Okay. So I think I was in that group, um, get, uh, to get the invite. Okay. So who, when you were playing for the PDP, who were, who was on your team and just overall, who was that toughest hitter that you got to face when you were there? Um, on my team, I got like I got to talk to Xander Mithaton. He's a good dude. Uh, Hunter Dietz is a good dude. Noble Meyer, I mean that dude's an absolute stud, like super awesome guy. Basically, all the pitchers that were on my team, like I, I talked to them more than anything because we're just in the bullpen together and stuff. And then the the hardest hitter I face, I mean obviously I faced Max Clark. Uh, he grounded out to third, and I faced Cooper Cup, and he popped out to center. Um, I mean, everybody there, I mean, I, I looked at the ranking, everybody I faced, I mean, everybody's just like top 70 on baseball America. Like I, I'm pretty sure I didn't face one guy below top 70. So, I mean, shout out to like everybody. I mean, every single kid I got out, like was going to be a tough out. So, yeah. So when you, you just got from, you just got back from that PG national at Tropicana field in Tampa Bay. So what was the how do how do you compare that PG national event compared to the PDP? What different things were you doing? Because it was a lot of those same guys who were there at the PDP who went to PG national. So yeah. what was that? How did those events compare, and what were the big differences? PDP was more like a developmental thing. Uh, they have all pro coaches. Like you're asking them questions. You're there for like a much longer period of time. So, uh, and and you're staying in a hotel like alone, and you have a roommate there also that you're like you and your roommate are in the hotel together. So that was more like a, I guess like a minor league experience. The PDP was PG national. You kind of just show up and play. Like there's no, there's not like a developmental side. It's more just like seeing the talent, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So throwing that back a little bit to the PG, PG national, who were some of those toughest guys that you faced? Did you face some of the same guys? And then who was on your team for the PG national? PG national. They, they put together, like teams i'm pretty sure that's how they did it because every team had like the same if like your summer team like you were on that team for pg national so i was on the team with all my artillery teammates and then a bunch of philly scout team teammate uh guys okay so who are some of those other guys on your artillery team that um are obviously good good top prospects and played at that pg national event i think we had like seven kids uh is aj gracia he's going to duke Juice, he's going to Boston College. Um, I'm definitely going to forget some guys. Ethan Hindle from Kentucky. Uh, Reeves Reynolds, uh, he's going to Mississippi State. Um, uh, there's, there's like definitely a few more that are Blake Grimmer, he's going to Tennessee. Um, there's one other pitcher I'm, I'm forgetting, but uh, that's all I'm remembering right now. Okay. So was this your first time actually playing in an MLB stadium? That, uh, I think that was the first time. Yes. Okay. So what was that like playing in a place where you get to see 
you get to play in a major league stadium. What was that like playing in your first time um, for the, in a major league stadium? I mean, it's I mean it's an amazing experience. I expect to be back there in a few years. Um, I mean, I just, it's just an awesome atmosphere. Uh, just like the backdrop alone, it kind of just gives you like like you just like there was no crowd there because obviously like where I just had our event and we're like 17 years old, but you just like kind of imagine like what the crowd would be like. Obviously Tampa Bay was in the world series a few years ago. So like, you kind of just imagine like what, how like loud it would be and everything like that. And it, it kind of just sends shivers down your spine. Um, while I'm pitching, while I'm pitching, it really didn't feel any different because like, I just get like super locked in on the glove. So I, I like, while I'm pitching, it doesn't really make a difference, but like in the dugout, I'm I'm just like kind of looking around and it just it, it kind of just feels amazing being in there. So you say you have one more event before you head to area. I mean, sorry, you have one more event here this summer for your travel ball experience. You're on the area code here in a couple of weeks. So what are you looking forward to most? And is this going to be your last travel ball event? Yes, that is going to be my last travel ball event. And I'm I'm kind of just excited to have the White Sox uniform on. Obviously, like they like host the team or. um or whatever they do. I'm not sure if they host a team or if they run it or, or whatnot. Yeah. I, I know, I know what you mean. Cause all you guys, all the area code guys wear different jerseys. Yeah. I, I mean, I know what you mean. Yeah. So I'm just kind of excited to have their uniform. I'm excited to get there out there and bunch of scouts uh, for the last time. Uh, that's always like a great experience just to see like who's watching you and stuff. And kind of, I usually like, I usually get more outs when like more eyes are watching me. I kind of just like it. So uh, that's always good because obviously more scouts are going to be there. Yeah. So as you're looking back on your, on your travel ball days with that one, with the area code event as your last event, what are some of the biggest things that are going to be your favorite memories of just your overall travel ball experience, your whole travel ball career? When you think of travel ball, what are the main memories that you think of? Uh, Just meeting everybody. I mean, you're, you're surrounded by just awesome talent every day. But, like, I'm super excited to see where a bunch of these guys that I met, like, go with their baseball career. I mean, like, I'm – especially, like, the PDP League, you get, like, everybody's Snapchat. You keep in touch with everybody. You see what everybody's doing, like, on their story and stuff. So that's that, that's probably the best part of it, just meeting everybody. Yeah. So moving into high school ball just a little bit. So you're playing 45 minutes away from Chicago. I mean, that's a good area for some good baseball talent. So what's the outlook on your senior season? How good were you guys last year? How many guys are you guys losing, and uh, what? How good are you guys going to be this upcoming spring? Yeah, uh, last year we went all the way to state and we lost in the finals, which was unfortunate. And so we were we were really good last year. Um, we lost. Uh, we have our, our center fielder who's going to Eastern Illinois. He's going to. He's obviously gone. And then we have a right fielder. He's going to Illinois State, and he's gone. And then um, we have a bunch of other like D three commits and stuff that we're losing. I think, I think our starting, like our hitting lineup, our starting lineup was uh, like five seniors and four juniors, which is, you know, it's unfortunate. We're going to lose a lot of offense, but down the stretch, it was mostly defense that like got us to the championship. So we, we should be actually better there. I mean, we have a ton of young pitchers that are coming up. We have two freshmen who are really solid who pitched for us last year. We're obviously going to be sophomores, hopefully a lot bigger and like, you know, start throwing a little bit harder and uh, get like more innings for us this year. And then yeah. we have a sophomore who actually pitched in the state championship uh, for us the last inning. Um, 
so he's going to be a junior and hopefully he puts on some muscle and everything. Uh, I'm pretty excited to see what he does with his career. Yeah. And then pitching wise, our, our two best pitchers were both juniors last year. So we're both going to be seniors. And uh, so we should be actually like better on the defensive side, which is really what got us in the state championship. So hopefully we're going to repeat that success again this year. Yeah. Hell yeah. So what are you looking forward to most as being that senior? Are you ready to be a senior? Oh yeah. So what overall, this can be, this is kind of a two-parter question. So this can be in the classroom and on the baseball field. What do you think you're needing to do most to prepare to be that senior in the locker room and in the classroom? Um, I mean, last year I was a big leader as well. Obviously, like if you're a talented player, people are going to uh, look up to you regardless. So last year I, I took on that leadership role. This year, I mean, I'm just, I'm going to take it to new heights. Uh, I'm going to keep everybody in track. Obviously, if somebody's slacking off, like we're trying to create a state championship team. So like we really can have that. You know? I'm gonna try to keep Obviously, like you're like, older in some cases, so some kids are gonna like look or I'm not gonna be a you know I'm not gonna be too controlling or whatever. But uh um yeah I'm gonna try and take on that role. I'm gonna try and keep everybody up. Like you know if somebody's struggling I'm gonna I'm gonna try and help them out. Not not like physically because uh I don't really know everything phys- on on the physical side of baseball but like mentally I can definitely help somebody out like dude you're all good let's just fight through it uh, everything like that. Yeah. So just moving on to some of your on-the-field play, obviously when you're on the scout watching your game, what would be your personal scouting report on yourself? Um, just a right-handed pitcher, uh, lengthy, super whippy arm slot, like low low three-quarter arm slot, uh, slider. Slider's probably my best pitch. Gets ahead with the changeup to lefties, able to strike out lefties with the changeup. Gets ahead to righties with uh, every single pitch able to dot in any moment with any pitch, uh, low nineties arm can get up to the mid nineties when I need to, uh, just, I guess stuff like that. Yeah. So you, you mentioned a slider, you change up there, obviously you throw a fastball. So overall, what is your pitching repertoire? Do you have, do you have three pitches or do you have any other pitches you didn't mention? Yeah. So I have a fastball and basically my fastball unintentionally sometimes just cuts. So I'll throw like, um, it was during the high school season. I was like, you know, mid nineties with the fastball and it was sinking. And then, uh, every like eighth fastball I throw, like I'm trying to figure out, I'm going to really hone in on this over the off season, but like I'll, I'll just get around it and I'll cut it and it'll be like a 90 mile an hour cutter without my catcher knowing, which is pretty annoying to him. I, I guarantee it is. Um, but so basically I kind of like two, like two different fastballs, which, okay. which is actually like really effective because it kind of confuses the hitter. And I throw a change up. It's just like a circle change. And I throw a slider. Um, and that's pretty much it. I, that's all I got. Okay. So have you tried to add any other pitches to your repertoire that haven't worked? Or are there any other pitches you'd like you'd like to add here in the near future? Yeah, I've tried to like hone in on the cutter a little bit. Like if I can throw a cutter at ninety, that would be pretty awesome. But uh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm I'm gonna try and like really focus on dialing like the fastball. Um, this upcoming season, like I'm trying to walk like absolutely nobody. So I probably won't focus on the cutter until, you know, later in my career. But I mean, w- the three pitch mix I've got right now has been working. So, I mean, I, I feel like I don't really need to add anything to it at the moment. Yeah. So when you do go through that process of adding a new pitch to your repertoire, 
How do you go about it? Because I know some pitchers, they go about it different ways. So how do you go about it when you're trying to get a new pitch to your repertoire? And then how long does it usually take for it to be kind of game ready to use? Yeah, so you get, I, I kind of just goof around and like, uh, and, and catch play. Uh, I'll just like try different grips out. Obviously, I'll tell the dude like what I'm going to try and do. And then, you know, you figure out like a grip and you just throw it one time. And like, you know, obviously if it moves super well, you're like, okay, like, let me try to repeat that. So you're going to try and like, you try and like repeat that over and over and over. So like you feel comfortable with on the mound and you can play with it like bullpens and stuff. And then like, I guess it's, it's, it's pretty personal preference. It's just whether you, like you think that's it's uh, consistent enough, then you can go ahead and throw it in game. Yeah. So before you head to Wichita State's campus next fall, what are some of the biggest things in your game and even some of the biggest things personally you want to fix before you head to campus? Um, the biggest thing in my game is my confidence. I mean, I, I think I can get anybody out at any time. I, I, I definitely think that that's like what's gotten me this far in my game. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, or sorry, what was the other question? Um, so just the, it was kind of just a two-parter, but I mean, you kind of answered it there anyway. Um, so it was kind of just, what are the biggest things you're wanting to fix in your game before heading to campus and maybe even like in the classroom or just overall personally that you want to fix before heading to campus next fall? Um, so just what I want to fix, definitely, uh, uh, working out of the stretch. I, I really don't get the, uh, the only time I like, um, well, at least during the high school season, like I was getting a lot of guys out, um, in a row. So I, I wasn't going out of the stretch that often. So basically my only stretch work is out of the bullpen. Um, like before games or in the middle of the week. So I really want to like get get comfortable out of the stretch because obviously when I get higher in the um, – when I go through my career and I get higher like into the higher levels, I'm going to be in some tough situations where I'm going to need to work out of the stretch comfortably. So I definitely yeah. – not, not, not that I can't pitch out of the stretch, but I'm, I'm definitely like a lot better out of the windup than I am in the stretch. So I really want to work on that this, uh, this offseason until I get to Wichita or whatever happens. Yeah. So – you mentioned earlier that you are a White Sox fan, even though I'm a Cubs fan. You know, I'll, I'll look over that. So, are is there a is there a guy on the White Sox or even another guy in the major leagues that you kind of like to model your game after a little bit? Um, on the White Sox, you know, we have a lot of injuries. It's kind of it's kind of hard to uh, uh, pick somebody on the White Sox, but Max Scherzer definitely. I mean, pretty much every pitcher wants to be Max Scherzer, so this is kind of like a dry answer, I guess. But uh, Max Scherzer is definitely like a, a guy that. Um, my, I model my game after. Not necessarily model my game after, but uh, I definitely look up to in the baseball world. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely had a huge career. Um, just that he, He's definitely a great guy to look up to. I mean, don't worry about the dry answer you say. I mean, I get a lot of Mike Trouts, which is obviously an easy answer for hitters. So, yeah. don't, <laughs> so no worries about that. But um, you do have – like I said, I'm trying to be advisor once I – advisor slash agent once I graduate from college here in a couple of years. So I do kind of like to ask players their side of things of going through that process. So when exactly did that process start for you? Just trying to pick an advisor. When did advisors start reaching out to you? Um, basically, I threw 98 and I threw that basically everywhere online. And uh, after that, a bunch of guys were reaching out. And then I pitched in January at a tournament. And I was like, I pitched five innings and I don't think I threw a ball under 90. It was like I was just 90, 93, just dotting up. I uh, did really well against like a, a good team. I, uh, I think it was the Cal, uh, the San Diego show or something like that. They had like a bunch of standard for commits. They had like 18 commits on their team. I did well. And a bunch of guys had come out to that to watch me. And then uh, after that, like a, just like, I think like 14 different agencies reached out to me 
Um, and then I ended up going with uh, this guy named Mark Peeper. Uh, he's with ISE, and it's 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 right here. They have an office in Chicago, so that's super super awesome. And he lives a town over from me, so it's like it's just a great connection for me. Yeah, I, I'm pretty. I I know ISE a little bit. I mean, there's a they have they also have a headquarters in Indy. I think that's kind of their football, but I'm from the Indy area. So I'm kind of used to the ISE, but when advisors were reaching out to you in agencies, were they reaching out to you in person? Was it through a phone call text? How exactly were they reaching out to you? Uh, All different ways. Most, mostly text. I got on the phone with um, basically everybody. Uh, The only people I met in person were, were obviously ISE because I actually went with them and then Beverly Hills uh, sports complex, um, came out to see my game in Arizona and they talked to me after the game. Um, other than that, basically just over the phone, I was, I probably would have met um, different guys if I had went with somebody else, but uh, basically just over the phone. So when you did get those agents on the phone for that first time, what were those initial phone calls like? Were they kind of just, it was it kind of like all questions to you asking about your kind of career, your, you overall as a person, or was it kind of just a pitch of their agency? How did those initial phone calls go? Uh, both. I mean, they're obviously pitching my agency. They know that other guys are reaching out. They're all competing with each other. So they definitely, they're trying to sell me to go to their, uh, what they have to offer. Um, like basically the connections with all the endorsements and stuff. Once I get to the league and everything and, uh, like what they had to offer, um, who they had in the past, uh, like what players they had drafted recently with who they have in the MLB and everything like that. Um, and like, uh, a lot of them, like, you know, said that they're going to get me, you know, this amount of money or whatever when the draft comes. So uh, just a bunch of that. Yeah. So when you were going through that process, what were some of the key things that you were looking for before you actually decided to sign, would not sign, but choose ISE? I mean, just honesty, to be honest. Uh, you know, I don't want somebody coming in here and promising me, like, you know, I'm going to go in the top three rounds or I'm going to get this or I'm going to get you, you know, a Wilson deal or whatever. I um you know, ISC and Mark, and Mark Peeper, they're, they're honest. They're like, well, listen, we're not going to promise anything. We think you're an absolute great talent. Uh, we, we honestly can't even evaluate right, you right now. Like, this, it's an entire year and a half before the draft, which is when I chose to go with ISC. So, like, we're going to – but bottom line, like, we have a ton of MLB guys. We've made a – you know, we've obviously made a ton of money doing this. And um, I, I'm, I'm the most experienced guy, experienced guy in the game for you uh, or one of them. And we're going to like, we're going to do great things together. And also, you know, just the relationship that he said, he's like, you know, players who work with me, um, you know, we're friends for like an entire lifetime. So that, you know, the relationship, the relationship to me was, was, was super important. Yeah. So now that you've kind of already chose Mark as your guy, how, how often are you guys talking? Do you guys text call each other a couple times a week? How often are you guys kind of keeping in contact? I basically just text them every time I pitch and I'm just like, you know, I'll crack a joke or something. Like if I don't get a call, I'll just be like, if I not get this call. And I'll be like, you know, it's, it's too nasty to even see, man. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, stuff like that. I'll basically just text him every time I pitch. Uh, my dad talks to him pretty often. He, he lives like literally a town over. So he was able to come to a bunch of my games, which is super awesome. So I've, I've talked to him a, a ton of times, which is really cool. Yeah. I've, I think I've heard of that, Mark. I think I've heard of his name before. Does he have curly hair? No, but uh, he he does have a, like a ton of really big names. Uh, Justin Verlander, David Ortiz. He was with Jim Tomey, uh, Mariano Rivera. Um, 
Miguel Cabrera. These are just off the top of my head. So like, and he had the first pick in the whole entire draft in 2021. So like, he's a super big name in sports. So that's probably where I heard of him. Yeah. I mean, obviously anytime you have those type of, those type of guys on your, on your client list, I mean, you're definitely, you have a lot of players going after, I mean, you have a lot of players who are looking at you, Um, but let's move on a little bit. Just a couple more questions for you before we end off the podcast. Um, So I, I like to just talk about the personal side of things at the end it off. So when you're not playing baseball, what are some of your passions beyond the baseball field? Um, you know, I used to be a, a pretty elite 2K player. Um, not anymore because they kind of just got repetitive with the game, I guess. So I, I'm not really into that anymore. But I just like playing basketball with my friends, you know, outside. We hang out. Uh, me and my friends, um, we just go out to eat and stuff. We hang out in my basement. Like a lot of us are just traveling around all the time playing baseball. So we like to just chill out when we're together, I guess. So uh, just hanging out with my friends, basically. That's it. Yeah. So in is it sorry? Is it Medellin or Medellin? How how do I pronounce that again? It's Mundelein. 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 Okay. Yeah. So being being a so, so being a suburb of Chicago, what are some things to do in your hometown? And then when you do go to Chicago, what are some of your favorite things? My hometown. Uh, in in my hometown, really, there's not that much. You know, we usually have to leave to do something cool like. Chicago's an awesome city, so we you know we head up there kind of often. But in 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 the hometown, we kind of just drive around and we like play music and stuff. Like, there's nothing like we really actually like do. It's kind of a small town. Um, there's a bunch of cool places to eat and stuff, so we just go there. But uh, the the cool stuff is in Chicago, so we we always head up yeah. there. So being 45 minutes away from Chicago, like, is that far enough to have a lot of cornfields being like have a lot of farms or is it still a lot of houses and just mainly like housing additions? Uh, like the north suburbs are mostly houses like where I'm from. When you go down like south more, that's where like all the farmland is. Like when you're heading towards like St. Louis and stuff, that's like like the middle of Illinois is just straight like plains and corn and stuff. But okay. it's a it's a um, it's like houses and everything. Okay, so living on that north side, how far away are you from the state of Wisconsin? I'm like probably 15 minutes from the border. Okay, I'm like north as possible. Okay, so that that's pretty close to O'Hare, right? O'Hare, yeah, we're probably four to five minutes from there as well. Okay, so that's going to be an easy drive for you to get to Wichita, right? If you just head head straight to O'Hare, hop on a plane and fly straight to Wichita. Yeah, I mean we're probably going to drive most of the time because it, it's like it's like 13 hours or something like that, but. Uh, and we usually like to drive, but yeah, it would definitely be easy just going right on O'Hare. Yeah. So if, so obviously you still got a little bit, you got all next summer to see what happens if you do head to Wichita state next fall, but do you think your parents are going to be able to make it up to a lot of games? Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. they're super, like my sister played D1 lacrosse. They're super supportive of her. Uh, and like, you know, they headed out to a bunch of games and worst case, they can just see it on TV. I'm pretty sure Wichita is just on uh, like ESPN plus and everything. Yeah. So they're, so, they're going to be able to see all my games. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier that you have a pretty big TikTok following. I think you said it was like 17,000. So how exactly did you grow that TikTok following? And like, what are you trying to, what type of content are you trying to produce for people? Um, At first I was kind of just messing around, like uh, just like different sounds and stuff. I threw I, I threw a picture up or a video up there of like my progress like progression over the last four years and at that point I hadn't thrown uh, ninety eight it was like ninety three or something so uh, it was like kind of just a sound like I, I had a 
video of me when I was 12, 13, 14, 15, or, or 13, 14, 15, 16, because uh, I was 16 at the time. And I just did that. That was like really like the first video that did like got big. And for me, like, I don't know, I just felt kind of cool. So I wanted to do it again. So I kept on trying to like repeat the success, I guess. So I made a bunch of different videos and a few of them did really well. Yeah. So having such a big TikTok following, I mean, that can give you a little bit of opportunity for some good NIL deals once you head to campus next fall. So have you thought about that at all? Yeah, actually, I just had lunch with uh, my pitching coach at, at Wichita. They were like explaining the NIL to me. And uh, I'm not totally like, to be honest, I'm not even sure how it works. They said they're going to try and spread it out. Like they're going to try and give like all the baseball team a little bit. And then obviously they're going to do it like how you perform that last year like is how much you're gonna get this year um and like, like something like that so i'm not really sure how it's gonna work obviously in the future it could totally change in a, in a year so i'm yeah. excited to see where it all goes yeah so one last question for you so just digging into nil just a little bit or even just endorsements when you go pro um what would be one dream brand that you would love to work with one day dream brand nike definitely nike Okay, well, okay, well, okay. So take that back. Any dream ba- brand beyond the big time brands like Nike? Okay. And uh, those type of those type of brands. Uh um let me think here. Um I'm not really sure to be honest. Uh, I haven't really thought about it that much, but uh oh oh definitely definitely bang energy. Bang energy. Okay. Okay. That was before I pitch every single time. So, or, or Tiger Bomb, probably Tiger Bomb and Bang Energy. Okay. Does it always have to be? Does it have to be Bang, or do you drink anything else? Nope, has to be Bang. It's a superstition at this point. Okay. All right. In my opinion, I, I like I like C four or, or Ghost a little bit better, or even like the plain old Red Bull. But you know, Bang Bangs are all right too. But. Uh, that's all the questions I got for you, man. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Of course. Um, I, I'm looking forward to following your career now. So I'll, I'm best of luck wherever you go. Best of luck at the area code uh, at Wichita State and beyond that. So just thanks for coming on the show, man. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. And that's going to do it for another episode of the JKR Podcast. really like to thank Ryan for coming on the show today. That's going to do it for episode number one of two this weekend. Got some great content today. Got some great content coming tomorrow as well. I'm really excited to see the way Ryan's career evolves, um, where he, whether he goes to Wichita State or he gets drafted. I'm pretty excited to see where he goes and what he's able to do. Um, another guy I'm really excited about is tomorrow's guest. We got Coleman Mizell on the show, 2023 Alabama baseball commit. So make sure to check that out tomorrow. Um, after that, we've got episode number 100 on the way. Bunch of great content, bunch of great guests here as we flip over the script, go from 100 and keep going. Bunch of great guests here this next couple of weeks. So make sure to tune in for any more updates on the podcast. Figure out who it is. Uh, check out our website. That's going to be www.jkrpodcast.com and our social media. That's going to be JKR underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. So make sure to check those out. And I'll catch you guys tomorrow for my Zell's interview. <laughs>